want to give a quick shout out to Electro Voice, the sponsors of the Green Room podcast. They've been around for 90 years. They design and engineer leading edge sound. Uh, they do everything from live networking stuff to loudspeaker stuff. They know what they're talking about. They have tons of hands-on experience. And Ryan at Electro Voice has donated us four different mics that we use for this podcast between the RE320, which was, you know, the re the rendition that Electro Voice did of the RE20, which was uh, what Michael Jackson recorded Thriller on, to the ND76, which is the Electro Voice version of the industry standard Sure SM58. Uh, I think they sound even better. So shout out to Electro Voice for being there for us, making us sound good. Um, and that's why we all live for sound. Shout out Electro Voice. Hey, welcome to the Green Rune Podcast, hey? Hey. That's how they say it up in Canada. You just got back from Canada, I right? I did, hey. How was that? Yeah, they don't say A, hey, they say hey. You know, everybody, by the way, they say hey, not A. Not A. No. That's new. I wonder if that's I was, a new thing. I, was, I, I guess it's new, but I talked to many a Canadian this weekend and many of the New Zealanders, the New Zealand Canada transplants. He took like this and stuff. I love to the new drink That's good. Kraken rum and Mike, Megan Hamilton drank Kraken rum, even though she hates rum. Oh, they drink Kraken rum? They love it. Ew. In fact, Caleb had quite a bit of it. Really? Yeah, he really did. It was hilarious. I would drink he it if He pulled it's... his pants down um, during my set. Really? Down wow, to his, he... his briefs, but he shook his booty on stage. Nice. With his pants dropped. Did he, did he say release the Kraken before he... It was funny. We did that thing where we, you put your arms around each other and you move your hips together back and forth, you know? Yeah, yeah. We did that, but nice. his pants are off. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going to tell Haley. I told Haley. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she Because I, I know she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> no, she, she Kalena was jealous. Shit. No, um, that was super fun. It was really cool. I got to meet a lot of the Danny... I got to meet Danny on management. I got to meet Thomas, who does... Um, K-Lab, Slink, Sticky Buds, Fort Knox 5, Cued Up. I met Cued Up as well. That was cool. cool. I did not get to meet Sticky Buds, which is so Aww. annoying. I've been listening to him for so long. And yeah. um, I actually <laughs> have that little um, top fan badge on his Facebook page. If I comment on things, oh, it really? says a top, top fan. fan. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I uh, got to meet Cheshire, who is also That's from tight. New Zealand. Oh, no shit. And I got to meet um, Father Funk, Will Williamson, finally. Oh, nice. I did not even know that he was going to be... At, I was at a festival called Motion Notion. And um, so when we came in, we I, I was walking through the airport, actually, in Seattle. And I hear, like, Megan. And I... But, like, I've just accepted that airport life is lonely existential alone life like you're alone right, you're right. not going to see anyone you know it's not going to happen Absolutely. don't even try Absolutely. to like give yourself that false hope you're never going to see anybody you know yep. but i hear it again and i'm like a ghost is literally saying my name right now i like finally turned around and symbiotic john was standing right there oh, no who we are both managed by uh cole jones at pivotal agency and also john is the a and r and one of the people that runs and does a lot of the mastering for Gravitas recordings as well. So we've worked together a lot. And anyway, I, I turn around and there he is. He's like, what are you doing here? Where are you off to? He's like, oh, I'm going to Motion Notion. I was like, I'm going to Motion Notion. How about that? Yeah. So we hopped on the plane. And then as soon as we rolled up, we go over to get our artist credentials. And I got an extra bracelet than him. Mine had a little toilet on it. And they had made like woven bracelets for this thing that they sold called posh potty 
and it was like a $50 pass you could get where you could use a real shower and real sinks with mirrors and a real toilet while you were at the festival. And so I got a posh potty band and he didn't. But that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it I, was crazy. I was idea, like actually. complaining about how much flying I had to do because I got stuck in Seattle and had to fly out to Seattle and then up to Kelowna and blah, blah, blah. And then I get up there and I talk to a guy from Denmark who is playing, who had to fly 23 hours. I talked to Will Williamson, who was about to fly 19 hours home. Uh, Cheshire was about to fly 19 hours to New Zealand. And I'm like complaining about my four hour flight and the, the fact that I had to stay in Seattle overnight. I didn't get to go to Japanese, though. I was really sad. I, I tried to plan it, but it didn't work out. That reminds me of the clerk at Walgreens the other day. I bought some things and one of the things was toilet paper, like a big thing of toilet paper. At Walgreens? Yeah. And the guy asked if I wanted a bag and I was like, hell yeah, I want a bag because I have to go up. I tell him like, yeah, I got to walk up like three flights of stairs. This way I don't have to take like two trips, easier to carry. And the clerk next to him, she looks over at me and she's like, whoa, three flights of stairs, huh? Wow. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I started laughing my ass off. Was she flirting with you or? No, she's, I, she works there all the time when I go, oh, I go so to Walgreens. Oh, so she knows you sort of. Yeah, she gave me $10 off last week. So shout out to lady at Walgreens. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, lady at Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> It's always those random people like that, that you don't really know at all, but have like so somewhat a significant influence or impact on your life. Yeah, she always works during the day and I always have days off. So that's when I go run errands and get stuff. Yeah. So my parents are pretty conservative and they live in Montana. So you can't imagine that they really meet a lot of gay people or even really any black people or Anybody that's not really white or retired. So diversity. Any- <laughs> there's a lack of diversity. There's a lack of diversity. Yeah. And there's this barista at the Starbucks my mom goes to every day that's really flamingly gay. And I just want to shout out to him for being the first anecdotal experience I think my mom's ever had with a gay person that she could actually relate that they're just normal, hilarious people. <laughs> and it's super random that it's like someone I don't know who he is she doesn't know his name I don't think she always talks about how much she loves him and she'll like imitate little things he does that she thought were cute and things like that and I'm just like well thanks dude <laughs> thanks for opening my mom's mind a little bit <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah dude I can't stop staring at this pulled pork pancake oh yeah you dug up something really great it came up on my Facebook page okay you guys is pulled pork pancakes which okay you could use jackfruit alternative for this um, with whiskey maple syrup just change the brunch game it's like this pancake sandwich it looks like a Big Mac it looks like it's a Big Mac so you got three buns which are all pancakes you got the middle you got the middle layer pancake you know pork on the top pulled pork filling on the bottom I like a good pancake, but Mitch Hedberg was right about how they suck like halfway through. I think the the quintessential pancake, and I've never tried one, but is a Japanese pancake. You know those ones that are like jiggly? They look like jello. They're so light and fluffy. They look like jello. Is it like one of those, like how they have the fake candy burgers? That are like gummies, but they have like um, no, gummy pancakes. But, no, what Paul Chang brought us back some candy when he went to Taiwan last time. And I think he went through Japan and he brought us these little grape candies. And they 
were the weirdest thing. They, they had a skin on the outside, but the inside was sort of like a gelatin, like most of the weird gelatin, like Asian candies. Like they yeah, loved yeah. using gelatin for weird purposes. Yeah. But when you like bit it, it popped like a grape skin would, and it did taste exactly like a grape, like not like weird. Americanized artificial grape Dimatap flavor, like yeah. a real freaking grape. Wow. It was awesome. That sounds good. Yeah, I want some now. But anyway, yeah, they have so many of those little jellies, gelatin items. But look what I'm talking about. Like Japanese pancakes are like two or three inches tall. It's almost like flan. It it almost does look like flan. Weird. So it's a souffle pancake. But you, like you could never make a sandwich out of that. So the sandwich that you found is great because it has pulled pork and yeah, pancakes. Yeah, You got some amazing. sweet. You got some savory. I would like to put like some vinegar based coleslaw on the bottom level and on the top level. Really? You're going to go that. Maybe like an apple cider vinegar slaw. Oh, that'd be really good. Yeah. Then you get the like sweetness, you get like, a like nice, that Hawaiian sweetness. Yeah. And I'd like a nice like mustard based, like tangy barbecue sauce on the bottom of the top layer, if that makes any sense. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I got you. So where the flavor is all in the middle, you get that tangy zip in the middle, but then you get the crunch of the coleslaw. So when are we making this? Probably tonight when I get off. Okay. Okay. You know what you guys, that this leads us perfectly into one of our segments of the day. Lay's chips are doing a contest right now. It's like been so long today. I forgot we were doing this. Yeah. We have chips. So here we go. So we're going to try it. We have, we only have three flavors, but this time around this year, they have a lot. What are all the flavors? Okay. Let me read these to you. These are the ones that they uh, that they apparently have out, but I I tr- I went to three different places this morning and I was only able to find these ones. So sorry, y'all. We're gonna let you know if we think they're dank or not. But you can get chili con queso, crab spice, Cajun spice. Wait, crab spice? What is a crab spice? Well, there's a crab on it, and it's got some spices next to it. So probably Fair. Fair just tastes like kind of fake crab. Sounds good. Um, deep dish pizza, lobster roll, which I, I really to, would like I to try, try both that of one, those. Yeah. Um, pimento cheese. Is that like olive cheese? What's with that? Pimento cheese is a, it's a Southern thing. Okay. So that, and then, uh, fried pickles with ranch and Thai sweet chili and West coast truffle fries. So, so that we have West coast truffle fries. And, and we have bacon-wrapped jalapeno popper. That sounds good. And fried pickles with ranch, which is only appropriate because Happy State Fair, everyone. It's yeah. the last weekend. Is, well, that, is it a this food? This will be out right after it ends. But Yeah. So we're recording this right now during the Minnesota State Fair, which is... Some people oh my call gosh. it a yeah, quote, yeah, food yeah. thing. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'll Some have to tell the story. Some people call it a food thing. I got hit up like about <laughs> two or three months ago by K-Lab. And he hit me up and he said... Megan, I'm going to be coming to Minnesota soon. And I was like, for what? And he's like, me and my brother are going to get some sort of food thing. And I was like, well, what kind of food thing is it? And he's like, I don't know. I have to look, like find out the name of it and let you know. And I was like, okay. Well, turns out he hits me back and he's like, okay, I found out. I heard it's called the Minnesota State Fair. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like the, the people from other countries think it's like this big food thing because like insider.com has put out viral videos about of all the, all shitty the shit food. you can eat All there. the shitty food. <laughs> what is it? Have so you looked anyway, at any I'm of going the f- to the food thing this weekend. Have you looked at any of the food th- for this year? No, but you know what? I can pull it up right now. Nah. 
No, I'm gonna. They have a. Oh. They always have a big list Aren't of you this. Go, you're going tonight too. Yeah. So you got to figure this out. Yeah. Let's see. They wow. They rank them already. Somebody like okay. has already. Well, I guess it's the end of the fair, so that would yeah. make sense. But they did rank them. Let's see. Find it out. Oh, I don't want to sign up for the Star Tribune. Sorry. Nordic waffles, wood grilled elote. It's the new thing. I'm saying grilled peaches. Heirloom tomato and sweet corn BLT. Why are people? Why are Wait, people eating all this healthy what shit? What happened to the safe? Yeah, fair? what it happened? Used to be deep fried it. candy it. bars and like <laughs> like beer battered Oreo cookies. Okay, Lacrosse Tribune. Thank you. Yeah. So La we got like ahi city. tuna. Wait, this still sounds healthy. Yeah, I, you know what? The, I don't believe any of this crap. I'm gonna go find the friedest shit I can, like these. Fried pickles with ranch chips. All right, pop those open. We got to try these. Here we go. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, All here right. we go. I feel like one. I've tried fried pickle chips. I feel like they did this in a previous contest. In uh, last time I was in Canada. Dude, Canada had all the kind of weirdest chips. They have chips. the coolest They're just the weirdest shit they in general. Doritos, all their chip flavors are weird. They have Doritos Extreme Pickle. You know? It tastes exactly like a fried pickle. I don't know about the ranch. I don't know. I don't even taste anything. You're not getting a dill? You don't taste that D? I don't. It just tastes like a potato chip. Okay, so... With a little spice. The consensus is Megan thinks it tastes like fried pickles with ranch. Pat thinks it tastes like a t potato. I mean, all right. It's all right. Don't get me wrong. Maybe I need to eat, like, a lot of, the, like, the flavor of chips. I need to be, like, chomping on them. Well, keep chomping. No, I'm good. Okay. I would, try, I would keep so my taste buds we'll for the other ones. West Coast truffle fries. All right. Nice. Take it away. Oh, these have uh, ridges on them. Ooh, these are wavy, everybody. They're wavy. All right. Again, just potato. <laughs> <laughs> it just tastes like a potato. I guess I mean, it's supposed to be a fry. A fry yeah. is a potato. I mean. What is West Coast? I don't know. What are, what are the things they have on the bag? Like tomatoes? No, fries. There's a potato chip, and then there's some, potato like, fries some next to it. chives and some Parmesan, maybe. It looks like parsley and Parmesan. Anyway, yeah, this kind of tastes like nothing. The pickle, the fried pickles ones were just better. I'll agree with that, 100%. Well, these are good, but like you said, they're not, like, unique. They're just kind of, like, savory. They have a little extra bit of savoriness to All it. All right, we saved the best for last year. Yeah. Bacon-wrapped jalapeno popper. Pop them open. Nice. I think you said nice every time I opened a bag of chips. I know. All right. <laughs> I got a couple of these. These are also wavy. Oh my God. They already smell good. By far the best. Whoa. Easily, Easily the best. Whoa. It actually tastes like it. Oh my God. We got to go, guys. We got to go right now. <laughs> we got to go get more bags we of We got to go eat all these. Literally, I don't think I'm going to be able to stop eating these for the rest of the episode. Well, that brings us to today's guest, the ever-amazing Mr. Ben Cofressi. 
can talk about an easy ship show now. <laughs> Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. What's up? This is Coach Ressi, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Running through the city with my dogs, check the fit. Not in stores, cleaning diamonds when I floss. Used to push some broken stables. I'm speeding, I'm all in a lamp. I don't see a limit here on my tank. No, I gotta get it all in the flash. Call me the flash. Okay, I'm feeling like I'm ready for the one. It's a hundred yard dash, and I'm back on the yes. Gonna run back, good. Wasn't ever that good, but I feel way better when I got some trees in my lungs. Be right there when the money evolved. That's push my shot, cause I wanted to ball. I'm awesome now. Came in the dark and found a pop. week we're hanging out with a good homie of mine ben aka Kofresi, who's super killer you've probably seen him on autographs tour playing with autograph lately actually what's up ben how's it going good i'm actually up in the colorado mountains up in Damn. Winter Park, visiting my sister um taking a just yeah i basically played uh grid life festival in atlanta and wanted to uh i'm doing a collab with so down that we just finished and i went to visit him in boulder and then came up to visit my sister and, um, you know, we were working remote and we just realized, you know, it sounds great, but let's have a couple sessions in person. And it's actually really sick. Like, I was surprised, like, we were not really planning on doing a collab. And I just, like, sent him an idea one day and I filmed it on my phone in my car. And I was like, this is tight. And he was like, yeah, let's, that's so sick. Let's collab. And I'm like, no, this is the track we can collab on. And he was like, he was stoked. So basically we started remote and I worked on parts and then we're like, let's do the final, like, pieces in person. And uh, it's definitely a little heavier than my usual stuff, but it is fucking cool and it like has such a cool groove and bang so hard so hell yeah uh, that's awesome how did uh so how did you um you guys start talking about collabing with one another um i think we've like kind of had a little bit of radar on each other you know i've seen his name pop up quite a bit and we ran into each other randomly at a few shows he was playing in Asheville right before i was playing i was yeah, I was opening for Yoda the next night and I was playing this other venue and he was in the venue playing the same 
room Yoda was going to play and we were at the same green room basically it was like connected so we just hung out and uh initially i was going to have him do sax on this ray mm-hmm. charles flip that i made that i'm actually doing a performance video for soon but i was like let's just make a song and that got it going and then just like you're both kind of keeping in touch and then two months later i just had an idea so we definitely like our respect for each other kind of grew and like he's a yeah. great artist and i think we just appreciate that we're both doing some live stuff and we're in like a similar yeah. boat with our uh, just like upcoming situation. Yeah, that's so awesome, man. We actually, um, we had Aaron on, I think maybe like our fourth or fifth, fifth episode. Um, so nice. yeah, he's, he's, he's a good friend. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, I'm actually and, playing with him yeah, you, on October 6th yeah, out in Boulder right. where that, he's from. Is that the Fox? That should be wild. Theory? Yeah, the Fox. Yeah. Nice. yeah. He's actually really good at, uh, he's really good at tap dancing. Wait, what? Give us some juice here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that'd be great if he was. Um, He actually plays chess though. And I don't know many people that play chess. We were like talking about it. We're like, we got to play. And then we didn't when we were in uh, in Boulder, but he just posted a chess picture picture on Instagram. (laughs) And I was like, okay, now it's on. We got to like play chess. You got to get one of those little like magnetic traveling ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I have it on my iPad. I actually used to teach chess um, before music kind of picked up a little more. I was okay. That was like my side gig. I was teaching chess. Yeah, I actually. Yeah. Did, interesting. Okay, Bobby did, Fisher over here. <laughs> well, I actually did not know how to play till the day before my interview, and I went on YouTube and just spent like four hours collecting information and like testing it out, and made like a document of like history about chess and how like Benjamin Franklin used to like play with women and then sleep with them if they lost. It was like a whole thing, and there's they basically. Yeah, he would do that. So there's nothing hotter than a guy who's into chess. Yeah, Pat's gay, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Tight. Gay for chess players. For, only for chess players. <laughs> um, awesome. But yeah, it was it was tight. Actually, one of the students that I taught, his dad is DJ Shadow, who's Lady Gaga's uh, live DJ. No shit. Pretty gnarly. That's awesome. And he was like definitely like the coolest kid in class. He like looked like a 25 year old way how he dressed, and then the kids next to him are wearing like Elmo sweatshirts. <laughs> His, his dad definitely like hooked him up with everything. It was like he was really good at chess. So if he sucked, I would have been like, you need to "Is that focus more on your on your chest than your clothes?" <laughs> is that the uh, DJ Shadow, like the DJ Shadow, who has his own? No, no, or maybe maybe it's not DJ Shadow. It's whoever Lady Gaga's DJ is. Oh, okay. This is this kid's son. Cool. It'd be like DJ Gaga. DJ know. Gaga. Um, yeah. I was just gonna ask you something. Um, hopefully it comes. DJ back. White Shadow. DJ everybody. White Shadow. Okay. DJ White Shadow. Yeah. Uh, Paul Blair nice. is an American music producer and DJ currently yep. based in Chicago, Illinois, best known for his producing Lady Gaga's Born This Way and art pop albums. Oh, gnarly. I didn't That's like crazy. art pop. And it gave me anxiety. The one after Born This Way, she did totally with um, Mark Ronson, which was, oh, was that the who one was that, fantastic. Was that I mean, the one he's that irrefutably sh- amazing. That wasn't the one like that she music. did like uh, the duets with... Um, What's his name? Tony. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Yeah. Is it that one? No, oh, that wow. was a jazz album that oh, she did with Tony Bennett. That was Bennett. actually really good. Yeah. Um, and I hmm. believe Amy Winehouse has a, not maybe an album, but definitely a few collabs with Tony Bennett as well. Oh, so right. that's cool to watch that. The generations right. bridge like that. Cause he's old AF. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How old is Tony Bennett? He's old. Like 200. Yeah. He's like 200 years old. Yeah. Like old. 200. 117. He's 92. Yeah. <laughs> he's 90 fucking two. Are you kidding me? Everybody. He's That's 92 old. No years way. old. August 3rd, 1926. Wow. He's seen everything. He's, 
Yeah. He's from Not New York. Day. Oh, yeah. That's why he has that awesome accent, like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is DJ funny. Luscious Lou. <laughs> um, that's funny. No, I was going to ask you now, I remember, or I was going to bring it up because you were talking about collabing with Aaron with So Down and how you mm-hmm. guys are both kind of doing this, adding live elements to it. And I was going to ask you if you think, um, I, d- I definitely think this is the case, but over the past like three or four years, there's definitely be- been an influx of uh, producers, DJs, or you know, electronic bands or whatever that add a live element to it. And it's kind of going mm-hmm. away from just the one guy up there in front of a laptop or girl or everything in between. And I think that's a really kind of interesting uh, change, more or less, the way that the music is changing. And not to say that there's anything wrong with still going up and watching a show where there's just somebody up there DJing on their laptop because that's still an incredible skill. But I think when you mm-hmm. add a live element to it, it just kind of takes it to the next level. Um, and I think people can kind of, they feel it a little bit more. Maybe that's the wrong way to describe it. But they uh, that, that interaction that you're having with an instrument, I think people... Um, it kind of resonates with them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely have quite a few thoughts on it. I think that it's cool to see um, a lot of people bringing in certain live elements. I definitely had like the big, like, okay, everyone's doing it. When I saw a picture of Arl Grime with like two drum pads and a cymbal, I was like, okay, like since right. like, I've never seen that. And I was, it was like some press picture and I, I've never seen him do it live, but he's definitely done it at a couple of shows. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like a guy like that, bring in that you know it's like okay like a lot of people are trying to not trying but i mean some people well, i will say some are trying some are definitely succeeding right but it does create a more i think authentic and engaging element to have at least some aspects happening in a live context because right. like you know i i've seen a lot of like i don't want to like i'm th- i just turned 30 so i'm like still very youthful at heart but i've seen a lot of stuff in the scene and i definitely used to just like seeing djs and stuff perform but now I like to see someone that incorporates something that's a little more interactive that I can be like, okay, they're doing something because mm-hmm. when I go to a show and even if it's a big artist or at a festival and they're just waving their hands in the air to the beat, it like, I'm not even going to point out any specific names, but even recently at some shows I saw, I was like so bored within like five, 10 minutes. I mean, some of the right. tracks were sick, but I was like, other than that, I'm like, all right, right. I know what you're doing. And, it's, and if they have video screens that are synced up to the music, a lot of it's, fully pre-processed set so it's like right how can that be even interesting for the artist i mean it's got to get i worry for the artists that have that i mean obviously they're playing big crowds but i'd get all depressed if i just went up there and pressed play and just danced you know it's like yeah for sure it's honestly like and yeah i mean i remember that when i was first starting out and i did a couple of shows where i wouldn't play and i was just like oh god <laughs> it's just so boring it's boring yeah it is boring like, yeah. last night we had a rehearsal for um i'm doing like a I guess it will be a seven piece at this festival called Secret Service Service. <laughs> Secret Circus. Secret Circus. Uh, Wait, next where'd month. you get a seven piece? Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that was as dry as their biscuits. So yeah, anyway. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. I got some people going to play with me though. So we had a rehearsal last night and I brought my drum pad because I was just like, oh, if I have to just like, we basically just had to go through the set and have everybody kind of hear what was going on. If I just have to mix something every three minutes, it's just, it's so boring. So yeah. Right. I, yeah maybe maybe for like you guys who know how to SD do card it. To for like me. Put some new samples on and futz with, cause yeah, it gets really boring having nothing to do up there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. guess that's why people use like three and four CDJs though. I've tried to do that before playing house music and that shit is kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like m- yeah. some extreme CDJs multitasking. Well, just having four of them, like that's some crazy multitasking with your frequencies. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, who did we see at, um, was it RJD2 that we saw at Red Rocks that had four vinyl decks going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was insane. He, it, that he was, was with a live band too. Yeah. Which was, oh man crazy as well that whole lineup was crazy who else was that it was opio opio headlined and then it live was band too um uh-huh. and somebody else who it, I wasn't, uh, uh emancipator ensemble. yeah emancipator oh, ensemble nice. that was okay. yeah with colby buckler um another awesome drummer from this scene yes cool. you know That's colby great. pretty well yes we definitely know each other very well and um he's definitely one of the guys you know when i was even first coming in the scene that i saw playing with two fresh and basically him and uh Deitch and Zach from STS9 were like the first guys, that, like drummers that I became aware of doing electronic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to get in on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure. it's tough to be a drummer with electronic music because, you know, if, if you're already layering on top of drums, if your sense mm-hmm. of time isn't just absolutely immaculate, it can, t- right. it can ruin everything. Yeah. And Ramming. also it depends like, you know, how your sound, whoever's doing front of house sound is. So it's like, Sometimes yeah. not totally in your control. So yeah, I agree. All those people that you listed right. off, especially, like, I don't know. I, yeah. I love watching Colby. He's fucking amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, for those yeah, yeah. for those listeners who don't know, um, Ben or Kofresi is a drummer. So <laughs> you have, uh, I'm, I'm sure like 99% of the people who are listening to this episode know that already. But for those who don't, uh, you have, um, you've been trained in drums. It's like, I heard you did drumline for a bit. Yeah, right. I was in the yeah at high school. I was in drumline for about two, I think, three years. Yeah, and uh, that's just what's up. I was gonna say, was it? Uh, so we had a, uh, one of our friends was also in drumline, and he was talking about it last week. The two uh, kinds. There's or two types of drumlines. There's like the show, and then the core drumline, or whatever. Yeah, so I was in like the actual like stepping around, like moving stuff. It's yeah, funny. Got to and do you wore, like band- these wool suits. We went to band camp and everything. Nice. <laughs> Do you have a so. good band camp story or is it? Uh, actually, boring? I do. It's pretty, <laughs> actually, but it involves smoking weed, if that's okay to talk about. Oh, yeah, you can talk about that. You're right. in Colorado, it's legal out there. Oh, that's true. This is a, okay, this is uh, open territory. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. it's like junior years when people really started like smoking more often. And <laughs> there's actually two quick ones. I mean, the first one was when I went to actual band camp and my friend, he was like the guy that was just you know the main stoner of everyone's like little <laughs> the, yeah we all had stoner. one of those yeah. <laughs> and, we, and one night they were like gonna go to this observe like the whole camp of like 300 people are gonna go to this observatory and me and like six other kids and we were just like we can totally fall back like they're not paying attention there's not enough parents so like we basically went off trail into this like forest area and we like basically had just a high school smoking session and we like didn't get caught or anything and we were there for like an hour and then they basically came back and what their plan was for the whole camp is the teacher had got like literally 300 people worth of s'mores. And so like we roll up to the camp and it's just like a mound, like, I mean, like two feet of like marshmallows and like a giant stack of chocolate and graham crackers. And we walk up and he didn't know that we had disappeared. But the first thing he says, he looks at us and he's like, Oh, I bet you boys are hungry. And we were just like, (laughs) And we were like, oh shit, does he know? And then like, he like obviously didn't. So we're just like cracking up and we like ate so many s'mores. And that's like the, the big That's awesome. Story. That's so. awesome. And then Isn't the that other- funny when you're oh. younger? No, it's funny yeah. when you're younger and like 
you're stoned and you think everybody knows and like they're everybody's they just know. oblivious or they, they know not. and they just don't care <laughs> yeah. but you're just like oh oh i'm busted oh shit oh my god you know i don't have a lot of stories i guess about being so high that i feel like everyone knows or something but this one particular time when i was flying to anchorage mm-hmm. i this person who dropped me off at the airport had made this had made cookies and i don't I wasn't astute in edibles at the time. I don't know how many milligrams were in it. It was homemade. Mm-hmm. So God forbid, you know, like it could have been anything. I ate the whole thing on my way uh-huh. into the airport. Okay. And I remember getting on the plane and us taking off and it hit me. And I started like, there's that meme with someone like coming behind somebody with a brick and it's like, surprise, bitch, right in the head. Yeah, right, like yeah. that. <laughs> and <laughs> literally I was like, I, I was alone in my row, thank God. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to throw up. And I everybody knows that I'm so high right now. Like everybody I saw, I was just like, you know, everybody yeah. knows. And I had like resolved to myself that I was going to throw up, <laughs> but it was going to be okay. We were still like mid taking off. So I couldn't go up and go to the bathroom. I was like looking at the barf bag, like mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take that out. And I'm going to have to barf in that. But then I was like having this whole internal conversation, like it's going to be okay. And nobody's ever going to see you ever again. You're never yeah. going to see any of these people anymore. Uh-huh. And then yeah. I was like, maybe I'll just lay down. And then I woke up in Anchorage. Nice. nice. How'd you find yes. you woke up? Fine. Nice. Yeah. Like I took a very restful sleep. <laughs> like literally that's, we were like, someone like had to t- tap me to be like, put your sit up and put your seatbelt on. <laughs> that's tight. There anyway. you go. But that worked out yeah. good. That sounds yeah. like a good one. And the, um, everyone's done this too much longer with the story, but I, the other one is we went to Disney world junior year. Oh, that's gotta that's, be a good place to get high. Well, the whole entire band had a, its own plane. Like that, that was the craziest part is our entire band fit in one plane. And like, I don't know how they coordinated that, but that was like a crazy ride in itself. And then like, I guess a bunch of kids snuck stuff over and we went to Disney World and it was another thing where it's like, we're taking the ferries and they weren't paying attention. And I wasn't even a bad like high school student. It's just like, okay, this is like, we're smart and we're aware we can get away with this. You know, it's like, let's have fun. Mm -hmm. So we just like dipped away and smoked and we all like had these sunglasses. I remember like we rolled up to a movie, like five kids like in their sunglasses just like gleaming with stoneness <laughs> and we roll up and uh we got on a ferry and we thought it was going to go to the whatever the kingdom or whatever the theme park was but it took us to a hotel and we were like <laughs> we were like oh shoot and then like we're like well we might as we might as well smoke again and so like we smoked <laughs> sure, in why not? hotel grounds and we made it back and the first thing that happened was like bugs bunny like i thought he was gonna be like all like goofy and chill and like i tried to give him like a high five and he gave me like the most gangster like complex handshake and i was like what is going on and he was like (laughs) it was like ridiculous and then we ended up going on space mountain and it was actually amazing like the rest of the trip was like oh my god and then we basically had to drumline two hours earlier than we thought so our team leader runs into us like mid all like stoned out and he's like we gotta go get ready to drum and like i was like oh my god and we had to march in front of like it was like three thousand people like down the actual disney line so i remember just a blur of color of people just passing by i definitely nailed it like i was like oh i can play a little stone so it's kind nice. of funny i don't usually play stoned i rarely play stone for when i play now but you know if someone has like a spliff i might take like a puff but i'm pretty clear-headed i don't yeah. really drink unless it's like i actually hate beer so i have like a I get me my puerto rican rum and coke or whiskey gin. Oh, yeah, nice. that's why we got high together in the parliament room parking lot in <laughs> your car because they <laughs> oh, only yeah. had beer <laughs> that was so I funny feel- I'm kind of the same way. Like I won't get high before a show 
Me or neither. Else, I don't like to do it. I forgot well, what I'm doing. The thing is, I used to play <laughs> when I like first graduated college and I joined a band. It was like a reggae funk mm-hmm. type fusion band. And we would sit there and one song that one night would be four and a half minutes. The next night could be 25 minutes, right? Oh, wow. And it's like a three chord thing. And it was all kind of like improv. And the uh, lead singer would do like hand signals for changes, like when we're going to go into it. But if you're, if you're feeling it, you just kind of hang on that one chord progression forever. Yeah, so right. I would get like really, I'd get pretty baked with uh-huh. our trumpet player beforehand. And I would miss all the cues. <laughs> and I just would sit there and I'd keep playing like the same, like, you know, two chord uh, reggae skank thing. And the rest of the band is like on a chorus and I'm like looking over and the drummer's yelling at me yeah. and I'm like, Oh shit, I got too high. <laughs> That's I'll funny. just literally forget that there's like segments of a song, like the song coming up that I'm supposed to be on the drum pad or like yep. supposed to be singing or something like that. And then yeah. I'll realize like it's the, a moment too late that I should already be doing that thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, damn it. Why did I do that? So yeah, I can't smoke before I play either. Yeah. Plus I feel like it makes me more anxious. Yeah, for sure. Do you get nervous, Ben? You know, nowadays it's really, it's so minimal. And I used to like when I was younger and was figuring out the setup and kind of just like being like, okay, how do I do this and this? And did I practice this enough? And the beautiful thing about it now is I don't always have to fully practice for these sets. Like I know my setup so well in my head that I can like hear a song I'm working on or hear another track that I made an edit of. And, you know, I, I kind of freestyle to what the you know, just the accents of the synths or the certain like rhythm patterns and do the certain live chops. Like some songs I do launch samples. So those I'm kind of more aware of, but in other contexts, you know, every show is a little bit different in terms of how I play it. And that kind of gives this cool, like, I know I'm going to play it well, but I'm also going to do it a little bit different each time. And that's like kind of fun. So yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, that's yeah, what, that's I guess what the I live element so cool. Over time, like, like the longer time in between shows, yeah. is a like representative of how nervous I'm going to be. Right. Cause if I'm playing like every night or like every other night or, oh, you know, yeah. whatever it is, I yeah. don't, the nervousness totally goes away. I mm-hmm. like forget about it. It becomes almost routine. Like it's a habitual thing. I don't even like overthink about it at all. You just do the thing. But yeah. if I have like a couple weeks off or like a random month off for some reason, and then I have to go back, I don't know, all of a sudden I feel like it's like, Oh, it's been so long. And I get kind of nervous beforehand, but the second yeah. you start playing it for me anyway, it just like completely it. goes away. It takes me like Same a couple hangovers. If I'm hungover and I play them, like I'll be like dying up until the moment <laughs> I walk up on stage. But the second I push play on my, on my, one of my tracks or whatever and start going, I'm completely like, in your zone in the zone and i don't feel like mm-hmm. shit anymore i can just do the thing but but then again then i'll like stop playing and get off stage and be like oh my god i feel like trash you know like mm-hmm. it just like i don't know it, it it's crazy yeah, yeah. i i've sounds had like that life. before as well <laughs> but no yeah, that sounds like life is a <laughs> no, daily, but, um, day-to-day thing i think that i trying to think what shows recently i've gotten nervous for it's yeah it's more just like i actually have really any nervousness at all until like maybe the like, oh, you know what does get me nervous is when I have to uh, strike my setup and then bring it out and make sure everything's perfectly set up. I don't get like freak out nervous, but I definitely am like, okay, Ugh, that they, just sucks. they better not fuck this up. Because a lot of shows I don't have to do that. But when it's like a big festival and I have to make sure everything's plugged in and good. And I'm, I have a certain system now. And like even at Sonic or not Sonic Bloom at 515, they, they didn't have the DI working like for me. And I was like, dude, what? Like, and they couldn't get the route figured out. So I'm sitting there like all set up. And I'm just like, okay, like that sucks to be standing in front of a crowd and them being fighting. That's so funny you say that because that happened to us at 515. Except yep. for that was our fault. We actually yeah. um, submixed and self-contained. Yeah. 
our for our set because um, they didn't want to deal with the hassle of having like three DIs up there. Right. Yeah. And so we <laughs> plugged it all into our stuff, and none of nobody could figure out how it was routed well, and stuff. Well, yeah, we got to work. We eventually got to work. Feel, yeah. <laughs> uh, I. That's like why me as a guitar player playing a lot of those festivals, like when we first, when Megan and I first started playing about three years ago, three and a half years ago or whatever it was. Uh, and we started playing a lot of festivals and a lot of gigs where there's like four people on the lineup and it's all DJs, except for us, it's supposed to be, you know, seamless transitions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And bringing, I used to bring an amp and pedals and all of that type of stuff. And it just became, I've noticed it was too hard or there's too many moving parts if you add in the sound guy mm-hmm. to try to hook up a bunch of things. And oftentimes it would be like, I wouldn't hear myself or there'd be nothing coming out of the mains for like the first two or three songs. Well, they got it all figured out. Uh. So over the course of over the course of time, my setup has just gone from that to just a, a multi-effects pedal with a DI. Uh. So basically I just have to plug one thing in and just be like, hey, make sure this XLR, this line is on. That's me. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then I can control everything else myself. That's so I ch- like I've had to like dumb down my setup and simplify it for uh, purposes so that the sound guy, I, I reduce the amount of things the sound guy can fuck up. Yep, that's exactly what. Is what yeah, it comes that's down just to. smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it'd be so hard to be at a at a festival. Well, actually, you know, technically, I always feel like most for the most part when I play festivals, the people that are running production and stuff oh, really, for that are really, really good. Usually really, great. Usually yeah. really good. You have that. You have that. Yeah, got that but 10%. shit happens. Obviously, ten yeah, yeah, no, percent. Yeah, it's a variable, and even t- so tough all day to be alternating between yeah. all these different. Apps yeah, even and like the best of the best, they can still have like a mental lapse and be like, "Oh, I forgot to unmute your channel yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like just something simple." Like I can't even honestly. The yeah, thing is, definitely. I feel like with the scene we're in and when we do have acts are just like a couple of channels, they should kind of be more consistent. Cause like, they're not mixing in like a live band with 25 inputs. It's like, that would be a whole different game. And the right. fact that like when the festival came and figure out one DI, it's just like, Oh man, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest. I, I had this one show recently on a, it was part of this little three piece run that ended up in Des Moines. Yeah. For five, one five, the two shows before, Oh my God, the first night I had the worst sound guy experience of my life. Like I, I knew it was like, he's nice. And he's like, Oh, I'm from LA. And da, da, da. he's acting all cool. And like, and then like, he's doing my snare drum. It took him 20 minutes to do my snare drum. And I was like, Oh God, I was like, if this is bad for the snare drum, like what is going to be, it's, it's literally the simplest thing. It takes like a minute of me hitting the snare yeah. drum. They get the compression, they yeah. get the reverb, blah, blah, blah. We're good. And like, he was tweaking, like he would like make it super loud and like raise the low. It was anyway. So then he goes to the tracks and they sounded so bad. Like even tracks that I test are other people's, to make sure that the frequencies are right in the room. It sounded like, you know, when you have a jack mm-hmm. halfway plugged into your headphone, it's that reverby tone. And oh, he's like, yeah, yeah. This, he's like, I'm doing the best I can. And I'm like, no, you're no, like, this is not like the best. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to be an asshole, <laughs> but I definitely got a little frustrated. I'm like, dude, like, honestly, I haven't have not heard my set sound like this gnarly. And he's like, well, if you stop complaining, maybe I can figure it out. And like, he became a total dick all of a sudden to the point that the promoter was like embarrassed. I'm not going to say who or what venue, but like it got really awkward and then basically they fired him during the show because it sounded so bad. Oh shit. Yeah. So wow. they had Yikes. to get a new guy and it made it sound way better. He actually was running two compressors that are like SSL or something. You don't even use electronic music. So it made everything sound just so awkward. And then he had this weird, like something with uh, the phasing all off. So it just sounded horrible. And I was like, literally like, I'm not going to play this show. 
like this sounds this bad and like they're like we're gonna figure it out and they fired him <laughs> so and i wasn't even trying to be a diva i'm just like you guys know it's like you want your stuff to at least sound somewhat good live and if it sounds yeah and like if it's if if the tracks are like fucked up i mean that's the easiest thing yeah. to get right well, and it can make or break someone. If that's yeah. someone's first time seeing you, they have no idea really how everything works. They're yeah. going to put that on. They're going to pin oh, that like, on yeah, you. Oh, this guy sounds right. I'm going to say this person crappy, sucks. Yeah, so. yeah, they don't know all that goes into that. And I definitely didn't used to know that before I was actively doing this kind of stuff. So max, yeah. if I saw someone that didn't sound good, you'd think it was the act's fault. Yeah. Like, right. The, people don't have any idea all the work that's going into yeah. everything going yeah, on up there. So. True, so. But mm-hmm. I mean... I was just trying to think to myself about how we met Ben. And I realized that the first time we met was actually not the first time that I mm-hmm. saw you oh, or really? talked to you. Um, you were you played at Infrasound like four years ago. Oh my God, yeah. And it was on the Ridge stage in the middle of the day. And they had like that built-in like huge oh, DJ fit, booth so I on the sort floor. of thing. And so you were just like, fuck that. Yeah. And you, he just <laughs> set up everything on the ground, like oh, straight nice. up on the dirt. Nice. Yeah. And everybody just crowded around and it was super sick. But yeah, that was the first time I ever saw him. We were, you were setting up and we were like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> I remember tight. it vividly. And then, yeah, I think I said something to you when you finished or whatever, but then we didn't actually meet until like I want to say like oh, almost crazy. two years later. That's what happens like that. sometimes, you know, it's pretty gnarly, but yeah. that's like, what's up. So it's kind of cool though. You know, that's, that's yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, uh, let me ask, let me ask you this. Cause I get this sometimes as a guitar player playing over tracks or as any instrumentalist playing over tracks might, you know, get this reaction too. And there's one particular thing. I think, I think it was in Bismarck, North Dakota where I'm playing and I'm clearly playing like an, a different line than Mm -hmm. the guitar that's in the track. And this guy was in the front row and he just kept like pointing at me and like pointing to his head, like he knew the secret that I really wasn't playing. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I'm I'm playing, I'm playing something different. No, I'm not playing the line that you're hearing in the track. Do you ever get anybody like, cause I I mean with percussion, it might be a little bit different because I I think people would understand that you're adding Mm -hmm. your own layer and your own element to what's already there. But do you ever get any people like, after the show, who's like, I know you. you My really favorite is when somebody called noises. Tim out for that, and so he just did magic fingers over his saxophone. Like there was a sax <laughs> solo playing in the song that I played. I forgot to mix out before it hit, so he just like looked at the crowd and then like just did magic fingers around his saxophone, <laughs> like jazz fingers. <laughs> like he, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> no, not really. The only thing, like you know, if it's a shitty sound, we don't get it checked. Then so we'll be like, oh, I couldn't hear your real snare drum, or like I couldn't hear this as much. Like definitely turn that up. And now right. I'm just more aware of that, so I make sure that like. I tell mixing guys, you know, it's like the track is the star, but the drums need to be like just almost there with the presence of like what's going on. Like they don't want to overtake the mix, but not, but I've never had someone be like, right. That's fake. I actually had a fun, when I was first doing the project, I had a show where I just had like a SPD 20 pad. And I, I and it's funny cause I was just doing the, I was just using my APC 40 when I had an APC 40 when I was first starting. And then I like realized, Oh, I should play the drum pad mm-hmm. over it. Like it was middle of this random, like random art show party. And the second I got on the drum pad, like people got so stoked. And that was, it was funny because I don't know if they were just like fucked up or what, but like I was doing like the hi-hats and the snare drums and this kid was like (laughs) tweaking out, like, like, like putting his hands toward the the pad and like waving them. And then like after the show, he was like, dude, those are the best. Those people that are in the front row and they'll look you in the aisle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like, no way. 
like, dude, those are the funniest it's like, people. And I, I see people like that and I'm right, like, yeah. I want what they're having. Dude, for real. And it's always like, I feel like that person yep. is there the whole time too. Yeah, they don't It's just move. like every time, the, every time a song drops, they're like, right. <gasps> oh my God. Like, I wish I could, I wish I could go back and have a musical experience <laughs> like that. I think I used to when I was younger and I'd go see shows and I'd, see like a killer guitar player or something rip it a uh, gnarly solo and I'd be like I don't like, think that's a sober uh, person being like what I just I haven't I mean I've been not sober at shows I've been blown away for sure but like those people are like a little that that's some hyperbole going on it. down there yeah, I know that drops good but damn you're crazy <laughs> <laughs> right um, but no it's after I played that set this guy came up to me and he was like what were those magic wands you were using and I was like what do you mean he's like they just and it was like really funny. And I was like, no, they're just drumsticks. That's but like, he was like awesome. obviously chirping or something, but that was when I was like, oh, I should definitely do more drums. People like react to that. And that was like a show that I was like, okay, let me like build this setup. That's, so that's awesome. Started from there. So how yeah. long did you play before you like got your drum set up? What'd you say? I mean, I've been in like, I was in a bunch of bands, like from high school and in college, I was in like, you know, everything from like heavy rock to like crazier dark stuff to like more like poppier R and B, like hip hop and, you know, I just I was in jazz band. I had the whole mixed Latin ensemble. So basically, I was a drum set player from like really seriously, like seventh grade. I got private lessons when I was like eighth grade till like end of high school from like a really good pro, Kevin Connolly. Shout out to Kevin Connolly. Actually, shout out to Dan Crane, who was the first drum teacher. He was a sick high school student that would like play no doubt and had the sickest drum set. It was like, this purple set that sounded so good, and it was like it was just like he was a swag like top leader senior drummer in high school and he like was giving lessons and it was awesome that's awesome so he definitely hooked it up and we still randomly say hi so he's stoked but no yeah i played a minute and then basically the setup just came together when i was touring with prop cause and had a sit-down version of it and then i was like i could stand one day somehow <laughs> and then like like the evolution and, and basically the secret was really just getting this remote hi-hat that lets my foot placement for my hi-hat go anywhere i want and that let me place anything in a certain context. I used to draw pictures of how to make this work. And then one day, like I was like, Oh, I could do this. And then built like a simple version and played with prop cause and the cherub tour a while ago, you know, and that really got me used to standing up and then just kind of evolved it, made it more ergonomic, more, uh, travelable more sensible and now it's like version whatever like 6.2. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I think when I first saw you, you had it to the point where you had it on like some sort of electronic drum kit tress, but yeah. it, um, it was definitely, uh, you had to have a table still. Yeah, yeah, now I and don't. Then I, I when I played with table. you in Chicago, yeah, that table was not there. Yeah, it's actually, the That's stands awesome. are made They're made out of uh, coconut flour. <laughs> so, uh-huh. I'm just kidding. Gluten-free drumming. I just saw some coconut flour across the room. My sister's like an amazing health cook. And I'm like looking at some coconut flour, so. Nice. That's where that I made came some from. zucchini cookies with some coconut flour recently. Zucchini chocolate good? chip cookies. They were so good. Oh my god! Nice. Yeah, they're so fluffy. Awesome. I only I have actually did hear that for a lot of like a loser. For a lot of coconut water companies, they like no joke have like monkeys picking these coconuts. I've heard they're like training them, and they like pick up like they're so much more efficient than humans. There's like not all what? companies, but I'm not joking. Look it up. There's like a whole thing about like monkeys basically supposedly work for some of these coconut companies and pick the, the coconuts out the tree. I just typed like, in monkeys picking coconuts and it comes up with monkeys pick coconuts in Thailand. Are they abused or just, hold on. 
Yeah, it's like legit, legit. They definitely use monkeys. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. It turns out male monkeys can collect an average of 1,600 coconuts right? per day and a female See? can get 600, <laughs> while a human can only collect around 80 per day. Oh. And there you go. And then the companies basically are like training enslaving monkeys. And I'm not even like being an advocate. It's just interesting. You know? It is interesting. That's wild. It's some so wild stuff. You're drinking your coconut water is most likely in monkey's hands. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to, are you... Do you want to be health conscious or do you want to be more for animal rights? You have yeah, to make yeah, this yeah. decision. It's a double-edged sword here. I like. I mean, when I I'm kind of just up. still smiling over here that, <laughs> <laughs> that that these monkeys are picking this these coconuts. So, yeah, they're killing it. <laughs> they are killing it. Killing it. They um, drop six to twelve at a time. Damn. That's crazy. You could make like a reality show about it. He probably. adds that coconuts kill around 600 people per year worldwide. It's true. <laughs> That's actually true. I've read that. 600 people? Oh my people? God. 600 people a year die because a coconut yeah, falls, coconut and, falls and hits them. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. People what even like say to that at the funeral? Like, oh, I Jim, don't know. What Jim, a time Jim to be alive. Life. And then it's like, that's just like an embarrassing way to die. You're like, my son died from a coconut. <laughs> yeah. It's oh like sad, gosh. obviously, but it's like just ridiculous you're like really it's, it's yeah like a stupid way to die i wouldn't yeah. tell anybody that if that happened to my like spouse or whatever i would just be like yeah they'd pass in their sleep whatever just put it yeah. in the well like well i wouldn't want to tell everyone like death by coconut oh that'd be a great band name death by coconut that is great that's a good band name there we go we just discovered a band name it's my new project yeah hey so we actually we saw you in minneapolis recently you were with uh, autograph. Oh yeah. So Megan, I remember that Megan was like, "Kofesti's yeah. here." Can she yeah. didn't like see me yet? I remember that was funny. Yeah, I saw your drum set on stage, and you weren't on the bill that I had seen so far. I had only seen it with Edamame, I think, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, "That fucker's here somewhere." <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, "I know it." <laughs> so yeah, tell us what happened. So you you're you played with Autograph for like that whole tour. Yeah, it's actually that- gnarly. Like what happened? I mean, basically. I remixed their song Nobody Knows, which you guys can now like maybe put in between the <laughs> between the segments. I'll definitely give you that I'll, one. I'll splice it in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool remix. And like I randomly so I showed it to Michael and then like he's like, Oh, this is sick, let's do a video for it. And I was like, he's like with Jake, like having another person from their band in it. I thought it was kinda like interesting at the time, but they're like, We're gonna go to a helicopter hangar and I was like, Wow, okay, that's cool. And we just like filmed this remix and it like did really well and then we played it live at Electric Forest when I was playing there that weekend. And then we did it live at North Coast. And I remember it just like, they all told me like, man, it really feels good having you up here with us, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's cool. Like, that's really all they said. And I told my friend, I'm like, I don't know why, but I totally feel like they're going to ask me to drum for them at some point in the future. And I even said that at North Coast. And then lo and behold, I'm booked to do direct support for the tour. And just their drummer, you know, he needed a break after just some stuff that was going on. And they're like, yo, like you're our first go-to. Can you do all the dates on our tour drumming for us? And I was like, oh boy, because I was already put. And they're like, unfortunately, we're going to have to make you opening and bring in Ramzoid. He's actually really cool. He's a dope Dude, artist. Dude, Ramzoid yeah. is awesome. Yeah, that was a tight. He's so was young. Tight. How old is he? I think he's like 14. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, for real though? <laughs> no, Dude, he, he's got to be so young. He, he's actually 20, I think. Really? Because like, really like literally like three years ago, I found this song Volcano Zone from him. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know. I found him like same time as Stay Loose blowing up yeah. in like the future base scene and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I just saw him open for y'all at 7th Street Entry, it's like, yeah. oh my God, he's such a tiny nugget. I know. And he has all the plants. He's like awesome with his plants. 
His whole setup he, is about plants and stuff. Yeah, and I think he does his own art too, which we were just talking with Defunk about because he does his own art. There's lots of artists that do their own art. Yeah, he does. That, that little thing where he uh, draws the white lines over photos. It's really cool. Yeah, he's definitely really cool with his art. He's a great like kind of branding thing going on, and he definitely does. He's he's a he's an Instagram crusher because it's funny. He's like one of those kids that like he put like a picture of like him like standing with his new shoes, and like he'd get like he gets like I don't know like three to like five thousand likes, and he's just an upcoming new guy. And like um, a lot of guys I see, and like I mean Instagram's not even my main focus. It's kind of like I have other everything is kind of just like pushing up at once. But I mean to see him as someone I didn't know that like even autograph we'd be like he'd put up a picture for the show and it would just like explode and we're like this is great he's helping out the tour. <laughs> You yeah, know, dude, so. he's awesome. a big he's a big deal, man. I mean, he I believe is signed to uh the Nest, you know, Alzla's sister label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a big endorsement. And that was like at least a couple of years ago that that happened. So yeah. he's, he's oh he's well actually deserving of this. he just hit me up on Instagram saying, "Yo, I'm in Denver. Let's kick it for tomorrow." Oh my gosh, so he's that's gonna be hilarious. there at the show. I think. So be tight. Tell so, him I fangirled about him. I will. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll call him after this interview. That'll be tight. <laughs> He's really cool though. He's a young guy and uh, I definitely wish him the best because he's got a great thing going. He's an awesome producer. He actually used to make heavy dubstep and now he makes like really vibey. Really? Yeah, yeah pl- his shit is super vibey. Yeah, they actually- and he plays a drum pad too. Yep, he has a really cool like kind of thing he does live. He has like a bunch of neat stuff. So it's it's a definitely respectable dude. And it's actually on the third night of tour, we talked about an autograph where used to be the Night Conspiracy who was a dubstep heavy act in Chicago and they kind of became a more vibey act with autograph. And then- they were all sharing their dubstep tracks. And it was so funny because I was like, both you guys used to like just bang out dubstep and now you're just all vibey. You know, you <laughs> must have like had a few like pina coladas or something. And yeah. Just like chilled out. Or chilled realized that everyone was doing that. Yeah. But I mean, they'd hit the yeah. right market. I mean, they're both much more successful with the music they're making now than they were doing with previous stuff. So, but he was so, yeah, his sure. production on dubstep stuff was gnarly. Like you, I'm going to, I think he still has some on SoundCloud. It's like his first or second tracks. So like you should dive in and try to find him. Yeah, I'm yeah. going. I'm so going right kind, now. It's kind of like a Bizarro Marshmallow. Yeah, it's like Zoid Step. <laughs> oh, with Marshmallow. Um, with Marshmallow, yeah, I was making a Marshmallow comparison, yeah. but in a much different way. I haven't even listened to Marshmallow's music. Is it good, guys? I have no idea. It's, no, it's it definitely it's it's marketable for what he does. I'm not. I would never play one of the tracks in my set just because of the way it, his some of his bass doesn't bang that loud, and it's like kind of just it's more just like pop melodies which are very great for what he's trying to go for and the audience he's capturing mm-hmm. but i'm not trying to be like all snobby it's just not like my cup of tea it's you not, know? Your, not your cup of tea yeah yeah i hear you yeah. Yeah. yeah i've only i oh man i was at one festival and i took a picture of these people um who were wearing their like marshmallow suits it was like right when he first came out uh or right when he changed his name and changed his thing oh and i remember um taking a picture of this guy and his girlfriend wearing their like little marshmallow helmets that they made. Mm-hmm. And they gave me one of those, like metal, what those beads that you iron and like to a design, do you know what I'm talking about? Like those, I don't know what they're called, those but plastic yeah, I know things and you like iron those together candy pendants, those candy pendants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they gave me one that had like marshmallows head on it. And I'm like, gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a- I think I finally fell apart in my car. It has been sitting in my cup holder for like two years. <laughs> like that made me fall apart. That's awesome. That's <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, what do you got coming up here? Yeah, that you would like to plurg. Well, basically, right now I have. Well, this is um, I'm playing Denver this weekend. I know that's gonna come out. Uh, it's gonna come out after that. But I have a, uh, you know, so I'll, I will have played Denver and then have played 
North Coast by the time this comes out. And it's uh, those I'm definitely stoked on. And then after that, I basically have, I'm looking at my thing right now, actually, Resonance Festival in Ohio. Then I have one, two, or then just a bunch of random states, Wyoming, not Wyoming. Wait, what's WV? <laughs> West Virginia. West Virginia. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was like a Y. I was like, that's not, I'm not going <laughs> There's nothing Wyoming. there. There's nothing there. Yeah. And then yeah, Wyoming, this stretch of highway with 180 miles of no services. Yeah. Yep. We almost got stuck there once. <laughs> anyway. But then I'm going to be in Charlotte at the end of September, then back in Atlanta, then Asheville, then Carbondale, then Evansville, Indiana, Peoria, Tempe, Louisville. And then there's more stuff to come. So just really a bunch of dates. And, you know, I have a, music festivals and um, I'm actually dropping an EP. It's going to be out end of September or early October, or actually at least the first music from it. You know, right now we're just getting everything finalized. We have some interest from some outlets and now I, I'm mm-hmm. going to do a, uh, a bunch more performance videos I'm doing. I have some special flips that are pretty sweet that I'm, uh, I've wrapped up. It'll be some kind of secrets for live shows and then become videos basically. So awesome. awesome. And then other than that, you know, just kind of just keeping growing, building the awareness. Like we finally, made these really badass stickers that have in not an abrasive or like overly marketable way. They have this really cool like in tag of like the Instagram, like Instagram logo at CoFresh, but they're also like this main sticker. That's a diamond that has a dope cut with like my main logo. And then on the bottom line, it looks so well mixed in. So it's not like shitty, but you can clearly see it, see it. And honestly, like I've found interesting ways to slowly build that stuff up. And these are just some small tactics. We're just kind of applying to kind of, awareness at fests and different shows when kids are like oh my god that was so cool but who are you even though like i said it a few times on stage <laughs> understandably you may not know how to spell it if i didn't know me it's not even too crazy but but for sure and then that'll just be nice to have this new assets of like some merch and you know kind of i call them fan builders and kind of you want to have fan homies and things that are kind of more interwoven so it's not just like you're trying to just get people to follow you it's more of like just like a a base of I don't know, just like a, a fan family. <laughs> that makes yeah, sense. for sure. So, yeah, totally. But yeah, just totally. being creative. Honestly, I have, um, it's been, been a lot of work finishing the CP. You know, I actually just relearned, you know, I, I got a lot better at mastering last year, but then I was like, you know what? I want to work with a, a, an engineer that has like a doctorate or something that just like, or a, at least the highest degree of like awareness and capability. And my great friend in Chicago, Chris, he is one of those guys and I met with him and showed him what I'm doing. And he's like, this is great, but I'm going to give you some pointers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I basically yeah. got a way better chain. And now I had to go and remaster the entire EP. And that was pretty gnarly because I put, I use like ozone eight and fat filter L2. You guys still hear me? Oh, I thought it was cutting out. And you know, he showed me this trick of using compression before I run my ozone eight. So it really boosts everything that's happening. And, but you have at the same time, all your effects, all your reverbs, all your delays, they all get louder because you know how compression works. It brings the softs up. So everything sounded yeah. bigger and wider. It even boosted the stereo width and it sounds awesome. But I literally had to and go and tweak all tracks in every song. And that literally just took hours, but now everything sounds really, really, really fresh and clean. I think it's the best sounding stuff I'm putting That's out. Awesome. So you're, you're running a compressor before your mastering yeah, it's, chain. It's weird. Yeah. It's, like, it's just, it's really subtle. It's like a two to one ratio. And this like, he just kind of set up for me and explained it, but, you know, I use like the vintage tape and different things um, like the harmonic mm-hmm. exciter and in ozone and then obviously uh, the maximizer. But then, yeah, it's just, you know, the way everything kind of flowed, it just adds a nice little boost that when I just kind of went in and tweaked things a little bit more, I don't know, it just sounds cleaner, wider and bigger. It's like <laughs> kind of like ampl- amplifies your changes more or yeah, less than your mastering yeah, change. And it just yeah. sounds more glued together. Something about it, you know, obviously did a better job with the mixes, but I think that I'm really stoked with the 
also the tones and sounds I used, like the first single I think we're going to come out with is called Jello. It has this really vibey kind of, I don't know, a vibey vibe, <laughs> but then it goes into, it has like three different drop sections. And the first one is, um, has these really cool vocal chops and it's like mellow kind of like ambientness. It still has this banging essence to it that makes you want to like dance or like vibe out. But then the second drops bring in these like filtered, like wub tones that are super clean. And like, I got like really good at making these like unique sounding wubs that sound not like what I usually hear, but they mix into like melodic tones that are in the background. So everything starts layering, but it's super clean and it's like, you'll hear it. It's, it's a very cool track. I'm going to do a performance video for it for sure. But the, Dude, I'm super excited. But about that, that one's actually, I'm going to be opening up with it this weekend for Denver and for North coast. So it's definitely a fun one. Cool. And then there's just like a mix of stuff. There's something that's like, gets a little more like vibey that I don't know why, but every time I show people, they're like, this sounds like, when the the really good when like bass sector was starting out or like vibe be more chill like but then it gets like heavier and, and like everyone keeps making this bass sector reference which i actually don't know too much about bass sector and i wasn't going for that and it doesn't sound like a bass sector thing compared to what i've heard but it's got this like warmth and this like really cool like sonic pad layer that like is basically just side chaining with the kick and when the chorus comes in it's like this really cool vocal over these like high end like wubbier sounds that kind of like carry you through and it's it's a totally different sound, but it's it's just some. I think it sounds really cool and it's fun to play live. So you awesome. able to hear it. And then there's and then there is like this more like poppier, like female vocal track on it that I think sounds great. You know, it's it's definitely goes a little bit from like vibey into an almost a uh, what I want to call it an interlude that has this really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this future bass, like future classic vibe, but then as these like I don't know. You kind of have to hear it, but it then makes a transition into a heavier side of the EP that has this like vocal track and then ends off with this really cool collab with this group called uh, Vesper and this rapper named Khalib. And it's definitely has like, that one has like a boombox cartel, like RL Grime inspired drop section, but it's hit so hard when I play it live, like people get down. So it kind of goes from like this vibiness to this like heaviness. And I think that some people might like, you know, certain ones from this, uh, from the EP, but it has a little bit of something for everyone. And I like that it's all under the same umbrella, but has variety. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens with me with EPs. Like even I hear something, I'm like, Oh, I like these two or these three, but not that two. And I might like even one, you know, and it's like, I'm hitting a few notes that people are from different uh, scenes are going to like something, you know? Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So what's the EP called? Do you have any, it's actually called Coda. So it's going to be coming out toward the end of the tour. This is kind of the build up. I'm playing the tracks out live and kind of getting awareness for it. So, it's called Coda and it's a five track and yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked on it. So it's definitely uh, just some cool sounds. So I can't complain. <laughs> it's been a lot of work nice. too at the same time, just remastering everything, but very worth it. You know, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Dope. I'm pumped to hear it. For sure. It's- well, Hey man, we're gonna wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yes. No, thank you guys for having me out. You know, just keeping the loop. We've got a lot of things coming up and, uh, you know, definitely check out Megan and all our cool stuff. You know, there's some good people on this line. Ah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. It was good to talk to you. I'm off to Chicago next weekend. You I will for the weekend after this one. Are you playing? Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. yeah let me know. I'll definitely be around. So I'll swing by. First, yeah. Right. Throw you on that young list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I thought people don't do that anymore. Oh, it's right. usually like, just like a high five system. Yeah. I'm Maury and you are not. Right. Oh, the last. I actually <laughs> have to submit my North Coast guest list right now. So thanks for reminding me. I just got like a text. We'll get it together. I know. I know. My manager's like, come on. He doesn't even know I'm doing this right. 
Are you still with Jai? Yes, Jai's killing it. I'm with Jai and Ed Walsh, and they are a great little Cool. Team. Well, tell him I said, what up? I will. I'll definitely tell him. What up, Jai? I'm sure you're going to listen to this. Yes, shout out to Jai <laughs> and his amazing uh, real estate skills. He's a great real estate agent, too. <laughs> hey, check yeah, it out, girl. everybody. Good, looking you're looking for, for a home in the I, Chicago metro area. I am. Yeah. <laughs> am I? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks, Ben. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys have a great day. Take care. All right. Uh, thanks, Ben, for calling in. We really appreciate that because he's kind of on vacation, staying with his sisters in the mountains. And we were yeah, lucky well, enough. To we almost didn't had get to, to try those chips. I know. We almost had to scrap the interview because our connection was so poor. Uh, for yeah, whatever we literally reason, like rescheduled it. We like sort of could hear him. It was, he was like, and then all of a sudden we were like, okay, well, let's reschedule this for Tuesday. And, and then he sounded fine. And all fine. of a sudden he's like, all right, sounds good. And then, yeah. We were like, whoa. He moved like two feet in the room and it completely changed everything. So I, I think it will sound pretty good. Like I told him before we started, I blame Colorado because we've had a few times where people have called in and the service up there, out there is just so kind of sketchy. And even when we were out there on tour, I think it's just because we of all the mountains. We stayed in Blackhawk, like 8,000 feet above sea level in the middle of whole northern, but northwestern feet, I feel Colorado. like when you're that high up, there's no way for the frequencies to hide. So you should be getting That's not it. how it works. Have you ever been in a plane? No. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> you're so bullshit. Anyway. All right. Well, let's invite out our buddy, Joel. Give it to us, Joel. Album of the week. All right. Album of the week. All right. All right. Yeah. What do you got? What What do I got? What do you got? I'll start. You go first. So um, it's the diamond anniversary, I guess, of Michael Jackson. That's his like his birthday. He would have been 50, I think. Oh, that's what the diamond thing is. I I think diamond is 50. Huh. Let's see. Um, I'm going to I'm going to. I didn't know that they had like names like that. Uh, August 29th, 1958. So it's actually, he would have been 60. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's what diamond means. Anyway. How long ago did he die? Is that 10 years now? No, it hasn't been that long. Has it? Uh, it's probably been like seven or eight. Holy shit. You're right. June 25th, 2009. It happened. I was working in a golf course. I was a sophomore in college. I was going into my sophomore year of college and I was working at a golf course back home in Great Falls, Montana. Damn. That's when it came on the TV. That's really crazy because it doesn't seem that long ago. I remember exactly where I was. I was in somebody's random house in Wisconsin and they were feeding me spaghetti. (laughs) It's weird how you can remember those sorts of things. Like I remember exactly where I was when Amy and Whitney both died. Mm-hmm. Whitney, I'd been drinking a little bit that night. We were about to go out to the caboose. So when I heard about really? that, I totally cried. Really? Did I don't you think go normally out? I probably would have cried. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. So I. I went and celebrated. Yeah. You know, actually, well, speak of, of this, I was listening to the radio this morning. I don't know what station it was on. It was when I ran to grab those chips for us. They were talking about how they had talked to Bobby Brown recently because he's got a new documentary call it called like the the Bobby Brown experience or something coming okay. out. Okay. And they'd asked him what he thought of the Whitney documentary that came out. And I don't know if you've seen that, but I watched it. I think it's on HBO or something like that. It's really sad, honestly. Is the it? whole thing is just I'll, really sad. I'll watch it. But. It's really interesting. It's super informative, but I mean, like all, I mean, all encompassing. It's pretty sad. Anyway, Bobby Brown was quoted as saying that he hadn't seen it and he was not ready to see it and that he never approved of it being made in the first place. And I can completely see him saying that because he does not look good in any of it. 
And I think rightfully so. I think Bobby Brown was a POS Express. And now I think it's effed up that he is, you know, in, in response to uh, that. The only reason that he's having a documentary made about his life right now is so that he can try to protect his reputation or whatever that is right, by right. saying, by putting out something where he can say that he wasn't as big of a piece of shit as they made him look like in Whitney. But right. wow. Yeah, definitely not stoked about F the Bobby Brown experience. I don't care. Yeah. I don't know a lot about either of them, to be honest with you. I know I liked um, new edition and like some new edition songs. Dude, you know what the craziest thing was? And apparently this was well known prior to me watching the doc. He was just like a drug addict, right? Yes, he was. But there's like a lot of drug addicts in that business. A big crackhead. He was a big, big crackhead. And when upon meeting Whitney, I mean, everyone in the documentary pretty much confirms that he was doing it before her and that they got into it. I mean, she got into it because he was doing it and then they were heavily into it together. But weirdly, I didn't know any, I didn't know about this. And I thought, I didn't know anything about what I'm about to say prior to the documentary, which I find weird because I was a huge fan of Whitney Houston all growing up. And maybe just because I wasn't exposed, the internet wasn't really there when I was a young kid for me to be able to learn about this kind of thing. But They treated it as something that everybody should know that she was people highly uh, have conspiracy or they have huge conspiracy theories about her being a lesbian. Hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. It is a hundred percent a thing. Um, And honestly, and to be honest with you, after watching the doc and I mean, that's my, this is my anecdotal opinion from watching one documentary. So, you know, there could be so much more to this that I'm not aware of, but I would completely agree that, yeah, yeah, she had a lesbian relationship going on with her best friend throughout pretty much the entirety of her and Bobby Brown's marriage. Really? Until he basically forced her to never speak to her again. Hmm. Um, It definitely is, it's definitely sus. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a really. It was interesting. Kind of like fucked up story situation I guess I never really got into it like I've I've looked up a lot of weird music stories in history and that was one that I never really found any interest in and I think it's because to me it just seems like a reality tv show and I don't want to read about a reality tv show much like I don't want to watch a reality tv show you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah and they even had a reality tv show Whitney and Bobby did? Yeah, didn't they? Well, or Bobby Brown did for sure. I don't recall her being really a part of it, but I could could be totally wrong. I think she was already dead. No way. This was recently. Oh, within the past six years? Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Listen to this really quick. This is just like, literally, I just typed in like, is Whitney Houston gay? Whitney's closest friends believe she was in a lesbian relationship with her assistant. In a documentary about her life, those closest to Whitney state that she was in a relationship with Robin Crawford, the woman who spent 20 years by her side working for her. Her security guard even like confesses that that was a thing that was happening. And then after Whitney died in 2012, her notorious ex-husband, Bobby Brown, said she might be, still be alive if she was allowed to be open about her sexuality. So that's a really interesting comment for him to make as that well. That really is. That really is. Yeah, but um, yeah, in the documentary, her former bodyguard, David Roberts, even said that Robin and Brown would have physical fights over their shared love of the singer. And the intensity of the relationship led to her exile from Whitney's inner circle. So yeah, mm. literally. Crazy. Wild. That is wild. All right, well. Getting anyway, back to album yeah. of the week yeah, here. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that that, was, I think that's a very no, that interesting super, tangent. That's super interesting, but yeah. 
I just have to go to work here pretty soon. No, so I, I got you. To wrap, um, to wrap to it up. Album here. of the week. You know, normally I would pick something that is more classic or maybe something that I had listened to, you know, 10 years ago or something like that, because I'm sure a lot of what I listen to today is things that are in the genre. So people who are listening to this podcast would probably be familiar with some of the stuff that I suggest. But so this week I'm going to, I'm going to forego picking something old school that I dug and I'm going to go with something more current. There's two EPs that just came out from some homies of mine. Maddie O'Neill put out dream state last week and the twins, they go by MZG, which stands for monozygotic. These identical twins, super cool. Charles and Zach, they just put out an EP as well called the buddy system. So if you haven't had a chance to go, check out those new projects. Yeah, Maddie put out Dream State and MZG put out MZG. Buddy System. There's super cool sort of like bounce, trap, hip hop influenced kind of, I don't know, not glitch hop necessarily. Some of it's mid-tempo. I'm really into it. I, I like it a lot. So you guys should go check it out. And I think, yeah, both of those dudes, well, I mean, the dudes and Maddie, they all live in Denver now. So it's crazy. It's not surprising. There's good stuff coming out of there all the time. Okay, so my album of the week, getting back to what we were talking about about yesterday being Michael Jackson's 60th birthday, what would have been his 60th birthday. Um, I'm going to go, I am going to go back to an old album that I love because, you know, quite simply, I haven't listened to a lot of new music and that's on me. That's my fault. I mean, to do it. Haven't done it. But I'm going to pick not a Michael Jackson album, but an album by the Jacksons, which is basically the Jackson five they had to change their name for legal reasons when they left their first record label, which I forget who that label is, Didn't but the they were dad the Jackson- just pass away. Like yeah. Joe recently? Jackson just passed away. And it was it really interesting tangent here. Uh, it, he admitted that they chemically castrated Michael. And that's why probably why he had a lot of, I don't want to say issues, but perceived issues people thought of him as kind of goofy like a kid who never grew up that type of a thing because basically he was he was chemically castrated to keep his voice when he was i think they said something like 10 or 11 years old he went through the treatment anyway side tangent but going back the jackson five got out of their record label and they i think they signed to their new label which was cbs records but they couldn't use the name the jackson five anymore so they released four albums as the jacksons which a lot of people who will like use YouTube and whatnot will find these songs and it's listed as Michael Jackson, but it's actually the Jackson five or the Jacksons. And the album that I'm going to go with is destiny and destiny has a lot of great songs. It has blame it on the boogie, shake your body down to the ground. And it's just a really cool album. So I think you should go back and listen to all of their albums. They're all really good. They're all really funky. It reminds me a lot of the first Michael Jackson album off the wall before it became into like a heavily produced pop star type vibe. Cool. Yeah. It's and really cool. So. <clears throat> weirdly the, just like five days ago, there was um, something that came on the front page of Reddit about how Michael Jackson's FBI files were all released because um, the documents dating from 1992 to 2005 were made public on Tuesday, December 22nd, just this, last December through a freedom of information act request from the associated press and other media after Jackson's death, 
FBI initially said it had 600 pages in its files, but released 333 pages, citing privacy rules. The FBI had monitored Jackson for over a decade, but the files contained no major revelations about his private life, and the Bureau apparently never developed any solid evidence against him. So I thought that was kind of... I mean, you grow up your whole childhood hearing these rumors about him being a pedophile. Right. And after they closely investigated him for a decade, they found nothing that would... I, I that would suggest think, he was guilty of child abuse. I mean, so, he probably came off that way because of his, like, his his hormones are all fucked up well, because yeah, of the chemical castration. And they talk about this um, on a recent Joe Rogan podcast that I was listening to about how, also, we can't even fathom the the things it would do to one's mental health to be as famous as someone like that. You Seriously. And to be as famous Seriously. as that from from the age of five. Yeah. It's... It's something that a normal person could literally not even fathom. And also they find like psychologically speaking that because a lot of those people never are able to really grow their into their own selves, they do sort of get stuck in this um, like childlike um, mm-hmm. behavioral patterns where they don't actually learn how to be around other people and how to behave and like just how mm-hmm. to, uh, they, they don't gain the social habits that a normal person would because they have a, such a completely different experience. And then so, top that on, on top of the, yeah, you're going to be a little freaking weird that you, I mean, you're going to be weird for that to begin with, but then put on top of that, that your, you know, hormonal balance is off for your entire completely. adult life. And when you, you're like the king of the world, really. And People are questioning all of these things in uh, in the media, like first, are you gay type of a thing in the eighties, mm-hmm. then in the early nineties, the Neverland Ranch stuff. It it was, are you a pedophile? And then all in between that, it was his skin going from dark to light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has all of this stuff <clears throat> weighing on him from the public opinion, more or less. I, and I mean, it was even shown in some of the other articles fathom, I read that you know? uh, this whole thing blew up essentially because they were trying to make an example of him. They knew they would get tons of pl- publicity, um, you know, toward the cause of, you know, calling out pedophiles and having this call out culture be more of an acceptable thing and right. pinning that on somebody that is the largest pop star, the king of pop, the king of pop, yeah. the largest pop star in the world, obviously Ever. would get that movement, Ever. a lot of publicity. Yeah. And so I know it's like, so- sounds effed up to say that people who are trying to prevent child molestation are using somebody who didn't, who didn't have any child like abuse actually ever come yeah. into public light, like actual Nobody actually ever proved mm-hmm. anything. I think I think it was just a, a big misunderstanding in an era where mental health. I mean, right now in this day and age, we're slowly uncovering more and more about mental health and learning about it. Ten years ago was less than twenty years ago, thirty years ago when that was happening. Like nobody had any knowledge about, or or care or thought about mental health issues. No, and it, they just thought, oh, pedophile. Lock him up. Yeah, and, no. or, or like, oh, weirdo, he's got to be a pedophile. Yeah, it says here, more than 70 police officers searched his Neverland Ranch property. His other yeah. places of residence were searched, dozens of computers seized and examined, and there was nothing to suggest he yeah. had a sexual interest in children. The only porn ever found which belonged to Michael Jackson was adult heterosexual porn. They literally never found anything illegal in his home. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just... And uh, a fake police report came out by uh, Radar Magazine, just that they had completely made up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just 
Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's I crazy. Think he was a guy I mean, I definitely grew up issues. thinking that he was a child molester. Likewise, even until even until just recently, I was kind of like, yeah, probably. Yeah, you know, that's really sad. That's unfortunate. Which is I unfortunate, mean, but and it's all also, like... also, I definitely as a child, again, you know, you just think even famous people are just like you, you know? So right. I couldn't even possibly have fathomed all of, just how, I, how one would turn out if you were immersed into that kind of culture at such a young age and it's all you ever knew. Yeah. Anyway, it's really, that's, it's really that's crazy. Um, we could go on and, and on And he about had a that. really hard life. You know what? Uh, R.I.P. Michael Jackson. Uh, happy 60th yeah, birthday. Yeah, happy 60th birthday. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, well. So um, we got to wrap this up. Megan, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Yeah, I'm going to be in Grand Rapids tonight with Symbionic uh, for the Gravitas recording showcase. And then we'll be driving to Chicago tomorrow to play at the Bottom Lounge. So... Next weekend, yeah, doing the Gravitas Recording Showcase. And then after that, I'm going to be back in British Columbia. And then... Um, what, what festival? Fozzy Fest? Uh, Fozzy Fest and Rifflandia. And cool. Rifflandia has a whole Westwood Recordings like, like lineup take going o- take on. Over takeover Takeover sort of thing, cool. which is really cool. So. That's really great. Yeah, it will be awesome. Cool. Well, I'll be on the lookout for that. I'd like to say thanks again to Cofresi for calling in. And you guys have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. Peace.